Here's what I would suggest. Never be afraid to hear the words no. A lot of people now, they go like, how does this person get that opportunity? How is this person in college covering that game? It's because they simply asked. And a lot of people are apprehensive to ask a PR person. Like when I was in Philadelphia, I sent an email out to a PR person to cover an Eagles game. Originally, I was told no. Then a few weeks later, I sent another email out asking to go cover the Eagles game. I was told yes. So don't get this courage would be number one. Don't be afraid to go out of the box and just ask for things because the worst thing you're going to hear is no. But most importantly, it's about reps. I can't tell you how many shows I did in high school on a, on a streaming service or how many shows I just did in my room recording shows with my friends and stuff like that. It's those reps, how you get better. And it's not going to be the greatest thing from the start. But then you send those reps to maybe program directors or someone that can be a critical voice. And, and that's how you get better. And when you're in college, which is a tremendous tool, as you know, at Temple, there's a radio station, there's a newspaper, uh, there's also a TV station. So there's so many opportunities for you to get reps. And some people may go, oh, it's college radio. Oh, it's college television. BS, because those reps are what program directors are going to want to listen to to eventually get you hired when you get out of college. The NFL stands for not for long. Second down and goal from just inside the two. Backs offset. Sharga and Armstead. Rollout. Walker still running out. Looks to the left. Wide open. Thompson touchdown. Colin Thompson with the touchdown. There was nobody within 20 yards. What of a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up. Lofting corner of the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. The first NFL touch for Colin Thompson is a score. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Not For Long Media. This is your host, Colin Thompson. Tonight, we have a full plate, a full group here. Esty and Justin are here. Esty is checking in from where? Mexico City. Mexico City. Shout out. We're going to talk a little soccer today. Esty's on the show. And then Justin is checking in from where? Annapolis, Maryland. Annapolis, Maryland. Don't bash the great city like that, pronouncing <laughs> it wrong. Annapolis, Maryland. Justin's checking in. Uh, exciting times. Justin will be down here with me in Spartanburg this week covering the Ravens practice. So for those that couldn't make it down to practice or make it to the game, we have a ton of Ravens fans that listen to this podcast. You're going to be able to follow our social media. You're going to be able to follow um, things to come in the future to see how it went. But, but for now, for this week, you're going to be able to follow Justin, follow Not For Long Media on all our social media platforms, and Justin's going to be creating some fun content on there with some fans, some family, some friends, some teammates, myself. So something that I'm looking forward to, and it's really cool that we get the chance to do that here at Not For Long. So we have a great guest this week. Episode 26, Zach Gelb, Temple alumni, a friend. And a great man. He's on Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, CBS Sports Radio. This guy is a radio lifer. Unbelievable knowledge. He started in Philly, started at WIP. He's worked for 97.5. He's done radio at Temple. He really is a radio lifer. You get to hear his story. Uh, he's done some stuff on TV. You can follow him on Twitter at Zach Gelb, a tremendous follow, a tremendous li listener. He has unbelievable guests on and a, just a great wealth of knowledge when it comes to all different sports. And he's a Temple guy. So, you know, he graduated from the same school of media communications. And, uh, you know, he's someone that's been near the Temple football program, Coach Rule, uh, and, and really kind of that group of all of us that won the championship game and, and beat Penn State in all those years. 
you know, Zach's had some unbelievable times covering that. And then also now going to the national radio and having all of us on his shows and, and, and what have you. So Zach Gelb, episode 26. Uh, we're really excited uh, to have Zach on as well. So there are the updates from Not For Long Media. Guys, there is apparel coming soon. As you know, with COVID and things going on, things are delayed. Things don't work as smoothly as they used to when it comes to merchandise. So merch is on the way. Not For Long Media apparel is on the way. We have stickers. We have shirts. We have hats. Few different things coming in, so something for everybody. We appreciate your support. I want to make sure everyone goes out and really supports our sponsors. They're really good to us, guys. I know we'll start with our friends at Wealth Advisory Services. That's Paul, that's Dave, and their group over there. It's got a, over a hundred years of experience located in Doylestown, Bucks County. If you don't know them, you should check out their website, WealthAdvisoryServices.com. Four hundred one k retirement, financial planning, family planning, future planning, looking to buy a home. Anything you need from a young investor like myself to someone who's seasoned, they know how to get you right. And I'm very lucky to have them as my personal advisor. So check them out. Paul, Dave, tell them not for long sent you wealth advisory services on all social media platforms as well. Justin, Esty, let's do this thing. I always love having a special guest on this, Justin, and nobody more special than my guy, Esty. We're doing a little talking soccer for the folks out there. Uh, first up in this, Justin, probably, would you say that, uh, Lionel Messi is the best soccer player in the world right now? He's top three, right? Right now. I mean, I, I think he's the best soccer player ever in, in, okay. in the, in the history of this sport. Obviously it's hard to compare, uh, between Messi and all the players that were there before, but I think that right now, especially he's 34 years old and he's still grinding. So yeah, I, I would say if he's not the best, he's by far in those three three first spots that you just mentioned, Justin. Yeah. We, we bring up Messi because, uh, you know, he, you might have heard his name in the news. You might have been wondering why, what all the hubbub was about. But so he's been on Barcelona, I think, since he was like a child, like he was like 12 or 13. Uh, he's 34 now, but he finally agreed to sign his contract with Paris Saint-Germain. I probably butchered that the last part, uh, but he's, he's changing clubs and uh, he's joining PSG. Uh, on a two-year deal, I think the third year is an option. Uh, he's going to play with Mbappe and Neymar, so those are two names that people are pretty, pretty familiar with. But this, you know, this is a story with a lot of uh, you know ramifications for the soccer world. You know, what's going to happen to Barcelona after? Like, what's going to the new club going to look like? The money involved? I think there's like bankruptcy and SD. I, I want you to break it down for us uh, in the best way that you can. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there's been a lot of misinformation and a, a lot of fake news going around, like uh, whether Messi was staying or not. I think he was even like misinformed about his future because, uh, well, he, he he thought he was staying at Barcelona, but because of the bankruptcy thing that you just mentioned, uh, he needed to leave. There was people asking him to play for free, which I think it's a very like romantic way of seeing this. It's like if you ask, I don't know, the best scientist to be an intern in your firm just because you're bankrupt. And uh, I just don't think that's fair. And uh, But what I would say and, and the way that I see this, just to put uh, the, the whole Messi situation in, in context, I think that Messi is like uh, the, the, the metaphor of the modern soccer where the best players just go to the richer teams and the uh, like more classic and the less wealthy teams just try to keep track with them and they just can't and that's why they go to bankruptcy and uh, these new reaches such as PSG and we also have seen similar circumstances with Manchester City at the Premier League uh, that are owned by uh, states just have the 
the economical uh, wellness to acquire these type of players and have the the front three that that the front three that you just mentioned with Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi that are uh, most people call them like. Messi was the best player, Neymar is the best player, and Mbappe is going to be the best player. So there's like three different uh, eras of soccer just reunited in a team. So that'll be super interesting to see how that functions and uh, to see if they can achieve all the expectations that people have around this team now. So Messi was the best player. What made him so great? Obviously, Right, You can say, oh, what's made Tom Brady so great or what's made LeBron James so great? But they all have a certain characteristic, I think. Right, Everyone thinks, well, they're good at everything, and, and they are. But they're not perfect players, right? So what makes Messi elite over the years? What's, what's put him head and shoulders above everybody that he's played against? First of all, I would say that uh, Messi is the most talented player that you can ever see because he just uh, – it's like a, a genius. He's playing and he does the stuff that you – will never think a human is capable of doing. But I think that the second biggest thing is that he maintained that level throughout 15 years. Uh, this is the first season after 17 years uh, that Barcelona starts a game of the of La Liga, uh, Spanish uh, championship, without Messi. So that talks about how big he's been and how uh, for how long he's just maintained this level of, 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 of greatness. So I think that's huge. And also all the individual and uh, uh, team uh, silverware that he's won over over these 17 years that I just mentioned. Yeah, he's a legend for sure. I want to talk about success. You talk about success. That's 50 years of the original Fudge Kitchen, doing it the right way, a first-class way. Check them out. Fudgekitchens.com. They're shipping fudges, sweet, tweet, treat, sweet treats, excuse me, across the entire country. The best in the business, Jersey Shore Fudge. Came in New Jersey, all the way to Ocean City. Stop and see him when you're down the shore this summer. The summer's not over yet, folks. It's still August. It's going to be nice down the shore all the way till about late October, October, early November. Stop in. Treat your family some great holiday sweet treats, birthday presents, whatever that may be. You can ship it around the country, like I said. And also, you know, the holidays are getting closer and closer. The fall's coming. You're starting to see the pumpkin spice stuff, which I think is absolutely crazy. It's August. Pump the brakes on the pumpkin spice stuff. But check them out. Fudge Kitchen. Fudge and sweet treats across the country. So I want to keep it in soccer here. Uh, the Premier League, I'm a Tottenham Hotspurs fan. I became one this wintertime. I had the uh, the pleasure to be with some Hotspurs fans in Key West, Florida, and just bumped into them, and I was looking for a team. I could not be a Liverpool fan. I just couldn't do it. They were too good. You can't come into the league and be a, a fan of the best team. You just can't do it. I just didn't feel right. You know, and I, I, It was fun for me because it was like a recruiting thing. They were recruiting me to join them. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, I've got made fun of for it many of times from Premier League fans and fans of other clubs. Uh, but the Premier League has started, and it's back up again. Um, talk about the Premier League. SD, what's going on? Uh, what's on the pallet? Uh, I know um, Tottenham's off to a hot start. Yeah, no, they, they, uh, I, I was about to say that you must be happy after that uh, once you win against uh, the, the current champions of, of the Premier League, Manchester City. Especially with all the things that are going around with the transfer market and uh, Harry Kane, one of the best uh, uh, Tottenham Hotspur players uh, about to leave to go to Manchester City. So I think it was a huge win for, for sports in the game we won of this Premier League, which I think uh, after several years where, as you mentioned, just Liverpool and Manchester City were at the top 
and uh, were unbeaten and not other teams could tra uh, keep track with them. I think this year, uh, other teams such as Manchester United and Chelsea have acquired uh, great players and have done uh, great deals throughout this uh, transfer window. So I think it's going to be a very competitive and interesting year ahead of the Premier League. Uh, uh, the four of them won, uh, not City, because, uh, well, as we just mentioned, uh, lost against uh, Spurs. But the other three, I mean, Manchester United won 5-1 against Leeds. Chelsea won 3-0 against Crystal Palace. Liverpool went to Norwich and won 3-0. And uh, on the other hand, we have uh, Arsenal, uh, the, the, the other team that are also part of that big six uh, top of the league. But uh, they uh, lost against uh, recently promoted team uh, Brentford uh, 2-0. So I think that's the only team that won't keep track uh, with the other five. But I think it'll be interesting just to see uh, just the competitiveness that this year the Premier League will bring to us. So that's first of all, fantastic anal analysis from Esty there. Go Hotspurs. And then secondly, if you want to learn anything about the Premier League, a great way to learn an Americanized version of it is through Ted Lasso, the TV show. Esty's going to start watching. We're going to get him to start watching. Justin and I are fans. Uh, him and I are plowing along with it and, and, and staying up to date on the episodes. But yeah, if, if you're not a Premier League fan, I highly suggest it. Again, I know people are football fans. A lot of football fans listen to this podcast. And I am the first person to say that I was not a fan of soccer. But now I've got into it, or football, I should say, uh, SD. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan now. I like following. I'm following some players on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm I'm learning the game a bit. But I want to learn the game a little bit from our friends over at Few Will Hunt. Check them out, guys. The Few. Few Will Hunt. Awesome, awesome, awesome website. They're community-based. They have daily attack plans. They have a blog. They have ambassador programs you can sign up for. You can shop for anything, men's, women's. There's banners. There's stuff that to compete and fight in. They call it fight wear. It's their workout, their training wear, accessories, stickers, gift cards for friends. Just an awesome website for people that believe in the best things in life are earned, not given. We live in ever-softening world, a world where gratification is immediate, Fair is a requirement. And worst of all, there's always some shortcuts to results. We are the few. Our mission at Few Will Hunt, no shortcuts. Hard work is given. Just like, excuse me, good things are given to those that work hard, just like our team and Not For Long Media here. They are definitely Few Will Hunt athletes and podcasters, that's for sure. So we talked a little, uh, well, first off, let's get this. We talked a little uh, messy. Uh, we talked a little Premier League. This is fantastic. We're talking a little soccer today on Not For Long Media a prediction from Esty of who's going to win the Premier League this year? I think this year Manchester United, it's a pretty good contender to, to raise the league. But I also think that Chelsea, I mean, they just got uh, Lukaku from Inter Milan, uh, who was a former player from Chelsea. They Then they sold him because, well, he didn't uh, fulfill the expectations people have around him. But then after the, the Euros he had, uh, he's a extraordinary striker that is now back at uh, Chelsea, who just won the Champions League. So I think uh, those two are my biggest contenders. And just to see something different out of Manchester City and Liverpool that I, I, I mentioned, they ruled the league for several years. So I just want to see something different uh, out of those two. So I think uh, Manchester United and Chelsea are great, great contenders for this year. There we go. J.A., He's going to have to pick a team. That's just what's going to have to happen, Justin, because you you don't have a choice. We're going to be talking soccer on here. You're going to have to dive in. Well, you know, my allegiance already lies to AFC Richmond, but that's a fictitious team from Ted Lasso. So 
I mean, I guess I could take a real one on. That's true. That is true. I, I my, my, I'm, I'm on the same page, hundred percent. All right, we're gonna wrap it up with what, Justin? What else we have here at, at this, Justin? So this is, uh, this is very Colin centric, but I like wow. this because the Carolina Panthers had their first preseason game, and Colin was a starter, starting tight end alongside uh, Tommy Tremble was our guy, Colin, number eighty six. Uh, you know, the Panthers, they lost, it was 21, 18, but you know, preseason wins losses. They don't really matter. It's all about, you know, how you play on the field, our guy, Colin. So I I did a little research here. Uh, Colin, you played 29% of the offensive snaps and 37% of the special team snaps. So I thought that was cool. Uh, talk a a little bit about just like your experience in the game. Um, you know, maybe some things that stood out from you and there's a couple guys on your team that had some fantastic offensive days that I'm sure you're going to touch on as well. It was fun. It was fun. It was great to be back on the field, right? I think uh, sometimes in the football world, we get it twisted of what's important. You're constantly training. You're constantly practicing to play, if you're lucky, 17 games a year now and um, four preseason games, three preseason games, excuse me. So, you know, you do the math on that. That's 20 times a year if you're lucky to play, to play the game. And then that's the rest of the time you are just preparing to play. So, um, you know, you learn how to handle that mentally. There's something to that. It's a different grind than maybe a baseball player or a basketball player or that, you know, even the Premier League, they're playing all the time. Uh, I mean, they play from now all the way until the spring. So uh, it's unique in that sense. It was great to be out on the field. First off, the city of Indianapolis was fantastic. We were there uh, for a few days, five days, I believe we were there for. We practiced against the Colts uh, for two days, which is always fun, always competitive, always interesting. And then uh, we had a day off and then played them on uh, Sunday, which is really cool. The, the city of Indianapolis was incredible, though. If you ever had a chance to go see a game there, the stadium is beautiful. Lucas Oil. I know Justin's a, a Colts fan, too. And uh, it was it was really cool. The, the facility where they do their training camp at, it was like kind of feel of dreams type vibe. Talk about that baseball game. That was pretty cool, too. Um, so it was really unique. It was really small town USA type feel. And then you got to go you know, play and, and to go out and play, like I said, if you're lucky 20 times a year, and then just for the take for granted, just the day you're, you're out there, you know, because you never know in football, things can change very quickly. Um, so it was fun um, to be able to compete against those guys for a third time in, in four days uh, was, was fun. Um, and uh, to be able to compete with our guys, which is really about, which is the best part. We have a great tight end room. We really do. I've uh, been lucky to be a part of some really good ones, but I mean, this one is, is a lot of fun and, and, and it's well coached and we have a great time and, and we're focused and, and we got a lot of really good things done and a lot of things we can work on as a group, myself included. Uh, my days are usually consist of some good, some bad, and kind of somewhere in the middle and, 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 and try to keep it in the, in the, you know, navigational line here of, of playing well and playing consistent is that battle every day. So um, it's uh, it's, it's, it's an absolute blast to, to do what I do. And uh, it's it's a privilege that I don't I don't take for granted ever because I'm really blessed to be able to do it. It's it's a lot of fun. If there's you know Panthers fans out there, people that listen to this podcast, and you know they they went to if they watch the game or they check the box score after, and they're looking to see your name pop up, um, you know obviously not you know you didn't record a catch, but like what did your day consist of? Uh, you know against the Colts, like what what were some of the things you try to focus on? Um, and you know what was blocking for that guy Chuba Hubbard like? Yeah, that's a great question. What did my day consist of? So. A little bit of everything. It was nice for me because I, I last year I came in in a, in a role where I was more situationally, um, 
And, uh, you know, it's no secret that I'm, I'm more of a, of a run blocking tight end in this league and whatever role I have, I'm, I'm all for it and a special teams player. And, you know, that's what it is. That's reality. Very few tight ends in this league, just play tight end. It's not going to happen unless you're a starter, a true number one guy, but you're going to play on special teams because people don't understand too. These rosters go from 90 to 53 and only 46 dress on game day. So that's 46 players. I got to build out a whole roster. Um, oh, linemen don't play on special teams. Quarterbacks don't play on special teams. So, you know, it, it's pretty lean. You have to play, do a little bit of everything. So my day consists of the full offense, which was, re- which was really fun for me. I was able to run routes, was able to do things, was able to warm up and get ready to play like a starter. I didn't play a ton of snaps in the second half, but for me, it was interesting because I was able to actually, like I said, warm up, prepare to play like a starter, get those reps, know I'm playing, um, work on my process for the season, work on my process for the next preseason game, work on my process for the next practice. So, and what that process for me is like, okay, how, how far in advance am I eating before I play? What type of hydration am I doing? You know, what type of electrolyte drink am I putting into my body? How many hours of sleep do I run the best off of? Um, obviously the more, the better, right? Nutritionally, all these things I'm dealing with soreness in different spots in my body. How do I get that, that ready to go? And I think the one hurdle that people don't understand about the preseason is, you warm up to play this game. Let me let me back this up, and I'm and we're going on. But hey, that's the beauty of the podcast. We can. So, okay, the so game was at um, one o'clock. So you eat pregame meal four hours in advance. So nine a.m. I eat breakfast, and I eat the same thing for every game, no matter what. Spaghetti, a little bit of red sauce, one piece of chicken, broccoli, and a roll. And no matter what time the game is, and. Um, I digest that the best. I perform the best on it. Um, and then I, sometimes I eat a banana, half a banana pregame and half banana at halftime. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, right? Like to maintain your energy throughout the day because I'm eating at nine and then you have to stay focused till about four. And I know that sounds like, oh, whatever, but you know, we're used to so much intake into our bodies. You got to maintain weight and things like that. So that's the challenge. That's the fun. That's, you know, giving a little sneak peek behind the, behind the curtain of, of what we have to do. Uh, to, to play well. Um, some guys don't eat at all. Some guys eat a ton. Um, you know, it's just kind of how you handle things. So um, off the rails there a bit, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it's quite, it's quite the grind. It's extremely interesting. And, and it's a lot of fun for me. I want to touch on too, as we wrap things up here with our sponsors, uh, that's Cape May Brewing Company, one of the largest and most accessible tasting rooms in the state of New Jersey period. You can purchase it in all of New Jersey, Eastern part of Pennsylvania, all of Delaware, like I said, and I think this is the coolest feature of the website, you can order the beer. You can literally order it. I'm going down the shore. I need to stop on the way down and pick up some Cape May Brewing Company. Boom. I go into the boutique. It's right there for me. I can buy shirts for the kids and the family. I can buy drinkware. I can buy whatever I need, pillows, blankets, awesome hoodies, really cool nautical vibes of their, their clothing. And they do a really, really nice job there. They're right at the Wildwood Airport, Cape May Airport, right off the parkway, Route 9. But you also can pick it up, like I said, anywhere in Jersey, Eastern part of PA and Delaware, love their website. They're extremely philanthropic as well. And really people that believe in, 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 in their brand and their product. And that's a wholesome local product. Kate May Brewing Company, check them out. Kate May Brewery.com. So yeah, the preseason has been fun. It really has Jay and, and SD and, and it's, it's an unbelievable opportunity um, for a lot of people to change, change their lives. You know, it's, it's, um, it's something I'm extremely blessed and fortunate to do. Um, and, and, um, you know, I love, I love to do, 
and especially to go to battle with these guys every day. We have a great group of men um, and a great leadership. And, and, you know, that's not always the case in, in places, you know, you guys go to work and everyone works in different places. You, I'm very fortunate to be able to do what I do with the people I do with. So it's been fun. What else we got there? Um, Justin, did you want, I mean, did you want to touch on, uh, you know, another tight end playing out there in Jacksonville? Oh, Mr. Tebow. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that, that went viral. That went right. Well, sure. First off, shout out to Tommy Tremble, our tight end. First game, touchdown. Um, Gio Ricci, his first preseason game, a couple catches, big tackle. Sully, Sullivan, and then Dan Arnold, Nian, uh, uh, they didn't play. They were starters for us. Um, so shout out to our tight end group, first off, because we got a great group. And Angelico and our coach, Angelico, our tight end coach, does a great job as always, the adult himself. And, um, uh, and then, uh, yeah, Tim Tebow, that went viral. His blocks there, again, let's see the entire product. Let's see what happens. I heard he didn't play on any special teams reps either. I don't really know. I doesn't take anything away from Tim. Um, I've heard good reports. I've heard good things. So we'll see what happens. I don't really know. I'm, I'm going to keep the vagueness of it because I want to see what happens with the entire preseason. you got to give people their time. you got to give people their due. Uh, he's earned the right for the time. Mm-hmm. He has, in my opinion. Um, he can do whatever he wants because here's the thing. They're keeping him in the building. Um, you know, he's he's obviously doing something right because they roster spots are precious, especially when you're building a program like uh, Coach Urban Meyer trying to do down there. You know, they, they, they flipped the whole situation over, obviously with the number one overall pick and a new quarterback and a new everything, and they're trying to turn it around. And I have some friends down there, and, yeah, we'll see what happens. But But, you know doesn't take anything away from Tim Tebow and, and I'm interested to see what, what happens with that final roster. Right. And, you know, just to add a little context for maybe people don't know what we're talking about that over the weekend, the Jags played uh, and, you know, Tebow's he's trying to make the tight, the tight end transition, obviously a quarterback forever. Um, and a clip went viral, especially on Twitter of him trying to block a guy. He basically bounced and spun off and then he ended up <laughs> tackling one of his own players. And then you might be thinking, all right, well, what, what is, what's the receiving game look like? Uh, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence targeted him once, and then he uh, got the pass picked off by his own teammate, uh, Tavon uh, Austin. Uh, yeah, so, receiver. Yeah, receiver, West Virginia, shout out. Yeah, um, yeah so that's why Tebow's going around viral. But like I said, or like you said, Colin, it's very early. Um, you know, we, we want to see him do well. Yeah, I want to see him do well. I've been a Tebow fan, I'll, I'll be honest. And the roster, yeah, the roster goes from 80 to 90 to 85. Um, tomorrow uh, when this podcast comes out uh, on the 17th of August. So that's one thing I never understood. I don't ever understood with the shrinking of the rosters. Um, if anybody knows that, please comment and explain why I never, I never got it. And this isn't like a shot or of anybody. I just, I, I don't, what do you want to keep? Wouldn't you want to have a 90 man roster to be able to see more talent and bring more players in? And, you know, it's always interesting. Um, you know, especially in that last preseason game, when, when the roster is the smallest, you want to rest more players. So um, I don't, un- I don't understand it. Um, I hope to be one of those guys, you know, as always, but, but, you know, it's, it's interesting why, why the rosters shrink. I, I never truly, um, truly got that. So, but Hey, I know some people that are big Tim Tebow fans and that's our friends at shots and Eagles and Key West. Steve has got an Eagles. Uh, he's got an Eagles Tebow Jersey. I'm, I don't know. He may have, he have a Jacksonville um, Tebow Jersey as well. The best locals bar shots and giggles, Key West, the best locals bar in Key West, Florida, right behind Sloppy Joe's, right on the corner of Green and Am Street. 
and treat, excuse me. It's, it's convenient. It's like I said, it's the, it's the place where locals go to watch the games, to hang out. You guys saw our, our, our post the other day of, of, of my Jersey in there. And, and these are, these are, this is family for me. This is a place where I, I, I grew up going in key, to Key West and then Monk and Ann have a bar there. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the local watering hole for lack of a better term for me and my family and a place to go and, 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 you know, share drinks with people and, and have really good times because they're an awesome local contingency. there, really good, caring, hardworking, good people um, that I've been able to call friends and family for years now, for decades. And, and, and I'm really lucky that that's the case. And our friends at Shots and Giggles Key West, check them out. Facebook, Shots and Giggles, KW, check out their uh, website, shotsandgiggles.com. They, they do a great job. They have unbelievable drink specials. You can take a drink to go. Just tell Steve, tell Hanya, tell our friends over there that Not For Long Media sent you because they do a fantastic job. Awesome, awesome locals that really care for the community, give back to the community, and are really community-centric. So lucky to call them family and friends. Shots and Giggles. Check them out. Well, that does it, Justin. That's all I have, sir. Anything from you, Mr. Esty? Uh, just interesting to hear all the inside process of the preseason going on with you and just happy that you have the chance to to be a starter and uh, just looking forward for for this season man yeah thank you buddy i appreciate it yeah it's exciting it's exciting and a lot of exciting stuff come on here not for long media because of of uh, our team here and, and a, a big week for us and not for long justin will be down here like i said covering the raven stuff so ravens fans nfl fans we're gonna be down here we're gonna have in-person interviews we're gonna have a bunch of different material uh justin's creative we're gonna see how creative is this week because i know he's got a lot of things up his sleeve so um that does it for Esty, justin myself colin check out our sponsors support our sponsors fuel hunt the original fudge kitchen wealth advisory services kate may brewing company shots and giggles uh and our friends at actions over words check alec and their team out out there thank you guys for giving back five dollars for every t-shirt bought to a local charity check them out that's actions over words zach gallup interview cbs sports radio you can catch them monday through friday 6 p.m to 10 p.m eastern i really guys you really hope you guys enjoy this interview a lot of fun stories over the years covering temple national radio we talked big time radio hosts we talked sports talk radio as a whole we talked a little bit about life and travels and food zach gelb interview i hope you guys enjoy it All right. Well, Zach Gelb's in the building. The man, CBS Radio, Monday to Friday, 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 3 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Zach Gelb, a proud Temple alum. How you doing today, man? Yeah, just congratulations, man, and all your success. How you been? All good at my end. Everything's good, man. Yeah, like, like we just discussed off air a little bit here. Got married uh, right before July, and that was that was fun. And now just training, getting ready to go, getting ready for camp. It's a, it's a downtime in sports. As you know, I'm sure. I mean, obviously, the, the NBA championship is still rolling on and keeping us afloat. But other than that, it just seems doesn't seem like the same time. Uh, I know football season is a monster for you. It's a monster for everybody. But this time of year in sports, you know, is it always come easy for you talking sports? Or is there sometimes you got to dig deep and find some, find some extra things to talk about? Well, it's kind of weird because football is now 365 days out of the year where that always wasn't the case. And 
when you have controversies with Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, um, Deshaun Watson clearly has been in the news. Um, there's always something to talk about. And it also helps when it involves quarterbacks, but you mix that in with the NBA finals, which is now a, a very compelling series. Uh, there's always things to talk about, but you know, it, it it's the entertainment thing. Uh, that's the whole part of this business. That's the main part of this business. Anyone could give you any stat, any breakdown of the game. You got to do it in an entertaining and compelling fashion. So it's like yesterday we had Josh Booty, the, the former quarterback and baseball player in studio. And he was with an owner of a New York city restaurant that just broke a Guinness world record for the most expensive French fries. And they were $200 French fries. I never went into the show thinking I was going to talk about $200 French fries. We ended up talking about $200 French fries for 20 minutes. That's great. Actually, he's a not for long media alum. He was on our podcast and in a different form at one point in time, too. He's an interesting interview. Big LSU guy, Josh Booty, played MLB and in the and in the NFL, I believe. Um, so he, he's got a really cool background. You got to love the fry talk. You got to love the food talk. That always makes things go a little bit smoother. Um, you know, it, there's so many different ways we can take this, but I really want to start with with ground zero for you, right? You have a family in radio. You have a, a background in it. You have always had a passion for it. Um, you've climbed your way up the ranks. Now you're with CBS Sports Network. You're, you're you know, you're you're a national radio host. It's it's unbelievable to see, and we've kind of grown up together in our two separate businesses here, and have a lot of mutual respect for each other. And again, thank you so much, Zach L, for coming on, but. Where did it start for you? Where was the passion started from? Who started it? And, and maybe some some stories that help you get off the ground early in your radio career. Well, it's funny. I'm sitting right now in WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. I grew up uh, begging my dad to take me to work when he was producing Mike and the Mad Dog on WFAN in New York. So that's where the love, that's where the passion started for it. And I think I got the best history maybe in the history of radio, just like the lessons that I learned at such a young age, seeing Don Imus, seeing Mike and Chris, Sid Rosenberg, Jody McDonald, I literally grew up in the most popular radio station for sports in the history of this business. So there were so many things that I just learned at such a young age. It would be the equivalence of um, really a, a quarterback or any football player growing up and their dad playing in the NFL and dominating in the NFL. So that's how it all started. And I remember one day I was eight years old and I grew up as a Patriot fan. So they thought it'd be a cute bit. It was uh, Joe Beningo and Sid Rosenberg and this producer, Ray Martell, to put the Patriot fan on this eight-year-old kid to talk smack to Joe Beningo, who is a diehard Jet fan. So that day I was going home with my dad. After that happened, I said to my dad, I I this is what I want to do for a living. Now, when you say that when you're eight years old, you don't know if you're going to follow through with it, but that's always something that I followed through with. And I did shows on the internet in high school. I, as you know, did shows in college. And then right after college, uh, got a few jobs and ultimately made my way here uh, back home to New York. For people trying to get into the business now, what's the best way to do it? Everyone's got a podcast, right? Everybody's got a different avenue, you know, I don't, as radio is, is hot as it was, national radio probably is, but, you know, I'm going off a little off topic, but for those getting in the business now, what do you suggest? Here's what I would suggest. Never be afraid to hear the words. No, a lot of people now they go like, how does this person get that opportunity? How is this person in college covering that game? 
it's because they simply asked. And a lot of people are apprehensive to ask a PR person. Like when I was in Philadelphia, I sent an email out to a PR person to cover an Eagles game. Originally, I was told no. Then a few weeks later, I sent another email out asking to go cover the Eagles game. I was told yes. So don't get this courage would be number one. Don't be afraid to go out of the box and just ask for things because the worst thing you're going to hear is no. But most importantly, it's about reps. I can't tell you how many shows I did in high school on a on a streaming service or how many shows I just did in my room recording shows with my friends and stuff like that. It's those reps, how you get better. And it's not going to be the greatest thing from the start. But then you send those reps to maybe program directors or someone that can be a critical voice. And, and that's how you get better. And when you're in college, which is a tremendous tool, as you know, at Temple, there's a radio station, there's a newspaper, uh, there's also a TV station. So there's so many opportunities for you to get reps. And some people may go, oh, it's college radio. Oh, it's college television. BS, because those reps are what program directors are going to want to listen to to eventually get you hired when you get out of college. That's a great point. I love those two points. And I think it's, it's funny you said that right away. I thought about when I had no experience and Harry Mays broke his ankle playing golf and he couldn't be the sideline reporter for the That's Temple right. Owls radio broadcast anymore. And I said, I'd love to do it. And you know what? Pat Kraft didn't blink an eye at it. And he didn't even really even the former AD at Temple who's now at Boston College. He was just like, okay, let's go. Give it a try. And um, yeah, I, I, I sat in behind the great Kevin Cobb for one day. And then, the, you know, the rest was history. I did it for three more years and absolutely I had a ball calling games. It was it's such a pleasure of mine. And those reps were massive for me because my, my last year doing it, I was doing, uh, you know, a countdown to kickoff show. I got to work with Tony Bruno, which was unbelievable for me to learn from Tony and John McMullen and these big national radio names on, on Sunday. I did Monday with them as well to count down Sunday night football, then to count down Monday night football, and then to work on the weekends calling Temple football games. Those reps were huge for me. They were unreal. And I, I you know, I didn't make any money, but those reps were massive for me to, to help grow this career that I'm doing while I'm playing. There's a handful of people in your life outside of your parents that have, have had a huge impact on you. Um, and for those that are successful or, or finding success young ages or whatever at any point of their life they know those people they recognize those people who are those people for you um and what their what is their impact on you and your career yeah it, it's a few people i would say ray martell on the producing side um has been instrumental ray is a longtime radio producer in new york he's now uh, the executive producer of Mets baseball. Uh, he's just someone that has always uh, been benevolent to me. I would say Angelo Cataldi in Philadelphia, I interned for him. He really taught me the entertainment part of this business and how to fine tune my skills as an intern there. And sometimes you get an internship and people think it's just getting people coffee or getting people uh, Philly pretzels. No, this internship, Angelo gave you tasks and if you were willing to run with it and do a good job, he would give you more and more tasks and also put you on the air. And then I would also have to say on the management side, uh, he just retired, wrapped up um, 30 years here um, in New York, uh, Mark Chernoff, who was the legendary program director at WFAN. He's someone that hired me twice, one to originally come to CBS Sports Radio. Then I have to thank Eric Spitz and Steve Cohen, who brought me to Sirius for a few months. And then Mark called me back and got me back in the building in this current time slot. So uh, those three executives are massive. And I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention Matt Nahagan, 
in Philadelphia because he was the one that hired me when I was doing afternoon drive and I was the program director. I was the board op. I was the producer, everything at this small uh, AM station in New Jersey, which you could basically hear through like a tin can. That's how bad the, the signal was, but 920 AM, the Jersey, and it was me getting reps and making the name for myself. And Matt Nahagan heard me and asked me to come interview at 97.5, the fanatic. And I actually did the post game uh, that entire year when the Eagles won the, the Super Bowl. So I would say those guys in management and then on air, definitely Angelo. Um, and then also uh, Ray Martell and Sid Rosenberg have been instrumental really in my career and just connections, advice, and then also uh, really giving me a passion for to do this for a living. Angelo Gotaldi is a monster in radio and then monster in one of the biggest sports markets in the United States. And he works for WIP, 94.1 WIP, for those that don't know. And he is just massive. He runs the show. He calls the shots. What makes him so special? I would say it's his dedication. This is someone that has made it. This is someone that if he really wanted to, he could show up 15 minutes before the show, put in zero prep work, uh, not even care, and the show would still be great. But that's not what Angelo does. I would always try to beat him in as the intern. And his show at the time, now it starts at 6, it would start at 5 or 5.30, so I would like try to get in at 345 and a lot of days he was already there before I was. So then I would say, okay, I got to get in at 315. And there were some days where he would even beat me in when he would get there at, when I would try to get there at 315. But what makes him great is he knows how to entertain. He knows what will uh, create a reaction in Philadelphia. But this guy who has a journalism background and then also knows how to entertain and he's just a natural at it. He gets in there and he does, he doesn't let anything like any stone does not like, he doesn't um, overturn any stone there in the preparation process. Every single thing that he does, he crosses every T and dots, every I, as much as you could prepare in this business. Cause you could think, you know, everything that's going to go on during a show. And then right before you get on the air, the Phillies fire someone and that becomes the lead. He's just someone that he's been doing this for so long and he still finds a way to keep on getting better and better. And I would say, I think what gets overlooked here is that he is so loyal to people that work on his team where I'm an intern. And he said to me, when I left the internship, you're always part of the family. And like, you kind of roll your eyes. Yeah. Always a part of the family. Yeah. Right. Anytime though, I email him. Anytime I call him, he always gets back within 24 hours and uh, he's been instrumental in my career. There's been no doubt about it. He's a special person from what I've been able to hear about him. I've only heard great things about him from people. And obviously on the radio, the proof's in the pudding. The guy's been doing it forever and he's absolutely massive. So you talked about a local radio host that you have a ton of respect for. What about nationally? There has to be some people out there that you look up to. Um, I've made it clear on this show before that I'm a big coward fan. I think some of the stuff he thinks about is genius. Some of the stuff I think about and he says is funny to me. Uh, not all of it's perfect, but he gets my mind going. He, he really, I think, in depth more than I would if I just was listening to another radio host. Is there somebody for you that you look up to or multiple people that you look up to and, and try to learn from on a national scale? Yeah, it's interesting. Colin Coward, I've been listening to him a lot more lately. He was an acquired taste for me. At first, I wasn't a big fan. And then through time, I've really started to enjoy his show. And you're so right. He's so intelligent. He's so entertaining as well. And he just thinks about things differently with the analogies that no one else does in the country. But if I'd have to say nationally, 
Um, you know, I do work at CBS Sports Radio, the brand that Jim Rome has built. He's a franchise. He is a legend. He is someone that does such unique radio. And he is he may be the most popular national radio host in the country with his following and how dedicated the clones are. That's the name of this fan base. But when I, I look at other national radio hosts, Dan Patrick to me, uh, Dan Patrick to me, in my opinion, is the best national radio host in the country. I just love his smooth approach. And that's a complete antithesis of me. As you could tell, I'm a loudmouth New Yorker uh, here from the East Coast. But I like how Dan thinks everything out, is very smooth. And then also, I believe that he is the best interviewer in the country. And time in and time again, you get viral things that do occur on the Dan Patrick show. And also he has fun. You could tell, like there's some radio hosts that, and this is not breaking news, that are jerks, that are egotistical, that are miserable to work with. You could tell that's really a family atmosphere on his show with Dan and, and the Danettes. I've always respected Dan Patrick. Um, I've grown to really like Colin Coward and then Jim Rome. Uh, really what he's done has been unprecedented in this business nationally. We'll get to Jim Rome in, Rome in a second, but I want to stay, stay with Dan uh, Patrick. I don't know if there's a better time to watch him than around the Super Bowl. Like I, I just have fond memories. Like I, I don't have, I don't have them on in the car. Like I don't, I can't listen to him live. It doesn't really work out, but I have the serious app and I I'll replay some things and I'll be able to listen to him. But when I can watch his show on the Super Bowl, hopefully we're in it this year. And I'm not watching his shows, but the guests that he has on how organized they are, how fun it is. And the guests really want to be there. I think that's a great point you bring up that like these guests really want to be there what's the thought behind a studio like that? Can any radio hosts have a studio like that? Because that's just incredible. The food, the fun, the basketball courts, the bocce ball, whatever else they have there. It always like they're having a good time. It doesn't seem normal. Well, if someone pays for it, you, you could have it. I, I would imagine uh, in this business. But uh, bottom line, my always thoughts about interviews, I don't even like calling them interviews. I call them conversations. Because if I just bring you on, and I just start pestering you. All right, how about Sam Darnold? Is this going to work? Is it not going to work? You know, you're going to kind of be, I think, turned off and not really give me much. So I try to, when I do interviews, you know, ease in the guest, have a little fun, uh, do things like that, and just have conversations. And when you're having conversations, then athletes will maybe let their guard down because you always know the tough questions that you got to ask. So you got to be careful where to pick and choose your battles. But I'll tell you a quick Dan Patrick story. Um, I actually, I didn't meet him, but I was in the same room as him. And it was first Super Bowl. I was covering the uh, Super Bowl. I was right in 12th grade. I was down there at Radio Row that week. And it was in the, the JW Marriott. And I go to the bathroom and I'm just here. I'm talking to someone. I'm in the bathroom. You know that voice. It's just one of those voices that you know. And I'm in the bathroom. I go, I, you can't say hello to someone in the bathroom. It's just, it, it's awkward. Like, what are you going to do? Go shake your hand after, you know, peeing or whatnot. So I was in 12th grade, got nervous, just washed my hands and left the bathroom. When I worked for a Fox affiliate in Jersey on my first show, Dan Patrick came on and I told him that story. And I asked him just straight up. This is how we started the, the conversation. I said, would that have been weird if I started a conversation with you in the bathroom and he was laughing. He was loving it. And he just goes, it, it would have been a little weird, but he goes, if you would have washed your hands first and then started talking to me, it would have been good. It's just like the witty part right on the fly of Dan Patrick like that. 
that I, I think really makes him unique. And, and also you're right in terms of you hear his voice and you know there's a big event. And, you know, you hear Jim Nance, big event, who's also been very instrumental in my career. You hear Bob Costas, big event. Mike Tirico, big event. Al Michaels, Doc Emmerich. Uh, Mike Breen, there's just certain voices that you know that they could call anything. They could have been doing play-by-play of your wedding and their voice just makes the event bigger than anything that goes on. And and that's developing a trust and developing a brand through all these years. That's awesome stuff. You brought up a lot of big, huge names there. Jim Rome, obviously we, we, you brought him up and I I said, I want to go back to him and we will, because, you know, he's probably the least in, in my world that I've seen but I'm now watching his show a little bit during the day over lunch. And it is such intriguing radio. The way he does things is, I mean, no one's ever been like him. Probably no one will be like him again. And what's his influence in the modern radio? Because he's got all the different quirks. He's got all the different quirks. He's got all these different things. He says, he's got the, the fire burning going, the Rome is burning stuff. He's got just a really interesting way to do things. What are some of the things characteristics that he does that are really interesting to you? I think he may be the only national radio host in the country. Maybe him and I would say Dan Patrick, that if you give them like a 5,000-seat restaurant, they could sell it out, and every single one of their fans from all over the country would fly to that restaurant in wherever. Like you want to go to a random part of the country, like Des Moines, Iowa. Jim Rome could get 5,000 people in a restaurant ready to watch his entire show uh, for all three hours. It's the the relationship he's built with his fans, in my opinion, because he does this thing called the smack off every year, which is just callers basically trashing other callers. And it's the entire show one after another, after another, and all these callers know all the other callers. So it's one big radio community. And if it wasn't for Jim Rome, like, let's be realistic. We don't have a CBS sports radio network. He's the main attraction on our network now and he's really what has made the network flourish in my opinion because he's one of those iconic names that has been doing it forever and still finds a way because it's tough to do this job for 20 years it's tough to do this job for five years it's tough to do this job for two years to still be on the top level of his game on like the Mount Rushmore I hate to do the Mount Rushmore topics but be one of those Mount Rushmore guys still to this day it just shows how much people still love him and how much the fans still trust him because of that different fun style where he's not afraid to be edgy. And there's sometimes like I listen to the show and I listen to the callers and I go, what are these callers saying? But I'm still listening and I'm still sitting there on the edge of my seat because it is so different and it's so refreshing and it is entertaining. Like I said, you mentioned a lot of names, a lot of big Titans in the industry and they all work for your network. One of them is Jim Nance, the best. I mean, the guy calls everything golf, basketball, you name it, he does it. Football, Super Bowls, you know, he's established these great relationships. You could tell with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and all these really big names that America really try to put, they put their arm around. Much as people used to hate Brady, I, I think people hate Brady way less now than they ever have, which is great because I thought the hate, the hate, the Brady hate was just ridiculous. Jealousy. Yeah, I mean, it's just insane to me. Like, the, the guy's the best to ever do it. It's not even a debate anymore. Can we end it? Um, no hate needed. The guy's that good. Talk about Jim Nance, you talked about, you said briefly, you know, he had a huge impact on me. What was that impact and what's your relationship with him? So the first time I interviewed Jim Nance, I was actually at Temple. Temple was getting ready to play Indiana. I think it was Indiana. Yeah. In the NCAA tournament. And he came on and did 10 minutes with me. 
And at the end of the conversation, he said something to me that it's the nicest compliment I've ever got. He goes, Zach, you're more advanced at your age than I was when I was your age, which I thought was the coolest thing. I was like a fat kid in a candy store once he said that to me. And not only that, we maintained a relationship. Like anytime I text him, he comes, you know, he'll come on. There was, you know, earlier in the year, he came on as he was uh, landing in the airport and he had to change flights and he had 15 minutes between like a layover and he was calling as he's going through security at the airport. He's such a nice dude. And, you know, anytime he's in New York or he's in Philadelphia and I'm at a game, like he'll invite me into the broadcast booth before the game. Um, there was, it was a Patriot Eagles game. I think it was two years ago. And before the game, it's me, Jim Nance and Tony Romo and Jim Nance and Tony Romo have a fantasy football team together. And the two of them are like yelling at the screen because they picked up. I actually think it was Sam Darnold. I, ironically enough, they picked up Sam Darnold from free agency and he had a rushing touchdown for the Jets and they were going nuts. So it was so funny to me because here are these two guys Tony Romo, who's a stud in this business, Jim Nance, who's a legend, iconic name, and they're doing what you and I, well, maybe you can't do it because you play in the NFL, but you get the point. What, used to. what the regular people would be doing, uh, the, playing fantasy football, these guys have fantasy football teams right before they're about to call a nationally televised game between the Patriots and the Eagles. And we are allowed to have a fantasy football team, but we are not, allowed, no money. To we are not yeah. allowed to gamble on it. Yeah, so there's plenty of guys that play fantasy for sure. Do you and pick yourself up on your fantasy team when you? I didn't play. Panthers? I didn't play this year. I didn't play this year. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's like the ongoing joke. Like over the years, I'm like, I'm not playing, guys. I'm not playing. You know, in your core group, but and then I wouldn't get signed or whatever. I'm like, push the draft back. I got cut. Save me a spot. I'm coming in. I can't miss it if I'm not going to play. But once I'm in, man, I don't know. I don't have enough time for it. Go ahead, go ahead. You know, I always drafted in fantasy, and it was a pick for the first two years where it would, I would always have to drop him because he wasn't making the team, but McManus, I would take McManus every year. And now this guy is a, is a stud kicker in the league. That was pretty neat when I was uh, working um, and I was able to go to that Super Bowl and see Brandon McManus kick a few field goals. Cause there was an argument to be made. He could have been MVP of the game uh, up against Carolina. So that was uh, pretty neat to see McManus, a temple guy, just like yourself, who I met in college, then goes on to the league and, ha and have a ton of success. Yeah, he's had a ton of success. I've had one year of not success, at least one year in the league. This guy is like, he's a Pro Bowl level player. For, and first off, and he's in a great city to kick in, too, in Denver with the altitude up there. So good for him. Uh, I've met him a couple times as a local product up in the Bucks County area where I'm from. Super nice guy. And like I said, he was, he was really cool to meet. So there's some people that you've interviewed over the years, right? Some massive names, and we'll get into them. But I want to start with some of the people that aren't the biggest names, but are your favorite interviews. Who do we got? Who? that's a good question. People that aren't the biggest names, but are some of the uh, – Antonio Daniels. I think Antonio Daniels is the best basketball analyst, maybe the best basketball analyst in the country. He is entertaining. He teaches you something. He has great energy. Uh, now he is the color analyst for the Pelicans. He does Sirius XM, NBA radio. I always enjoy this time of the year talking basketball with Antonio Daniels. I do a weekly pick segment with Gus Farratt, the former NFL quarterback. Um, and Gus Farratt is uh, fun and he's able to make fun of himself. There was one day I put on a helmet and ran through a wall to kind of mock that celebration that went wrong for him where he headbutted the wall and then got concussed and got knocked out of the game, which is one of those embarrassing moments. So I would say uh, those two guys, 
not necessarily the biggest of names, Gus Farad and Antonio Daniels, but anytime they're on the air, they do a kick-ass job. That's great. And who are the bigger names that you've interviewed? Like, wow, I cannot believe I'm talking to LeBron James right now. Yeah, I did interview LeBron in a press conference setting, which was neat. Bruce Arians, another Temple guy, day after they punched their ticket to the NFC, uh, to the Super Bowl, winning the NFC championship game, he did one radio interview across the country. And it was on our show, which was so neat. And I had so many producers reach out to me. How did you get Bruce Arians on? How did you get Bruce Arians on? I go, I interviewed him in college and I would stay in contact with him. And I would, you know, around his birthday, say happy birthday around the, the holidays, you know, Merry Christmas, you know, whatever. And right after this, you know, they punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. I just texted him, Bruce, congratulations. Uh, good luck in two weeks. And he got back to me. And then I texted him back. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you to come on the show. Um, so I would definitely say that Bruce Arians uh, is tremendous to talk to. And anytime he comes on, it seems like he does say something that is pretty newsworthy. I did interview Adam Sandler twice in my life and I ran it. This is a crazy story. Um, a few weeks ago, I am at a rehearsal dinner for one of my good friends. He's getting married and night before the wedding, you do the rehearsal dinner. We're leaving this place called um, Hendrix. It's either Hendrix or Henley's. I think it's Hendrix Tavern in, in New York. And one of my friends goes, you're not going to believe who just walked in. I go, who? I go, he goes, Adam Sandler. I go, get out of here. There's no way Adam Sandler is, you know, it's a nice restaurant, but I'm like, why would Adam Sandler uh, be going to this restaurant right now? He goes, he was in basketball shorts. And I go, okay, that's gotta be Adam Sandler because the dude's in basketball shorts everywhere. So I go in and I had a few drinks in me. I don't know if I would have done this if I was sober because the guy is eating dinner with his family, with his wife and his daughter, but I'm standing there and I go, I've met him twice. You know, I interviewed him when I was, in 11th grade and 12th grade down at the Super Bowl, I go, I'm just going to walk over and say hello. And I had the picture and he start, he remembered the whole thing. He's like, oh yeah, I remember that was in Dallas. Oh yeah, this year was in Indianapolis. And we're talking for probably like 10 minutes and he's asking me what I do now. So that was pretty neat. But Sandler, even though I only interviewed him maybe two times for a combined 90 seconds, uh, seriously, uh, that was an absolute thrill. There's a, there's a bunch more. Um, Kobe White at the draft was really cool with the wow, 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 wow moment. I broke that news to him about Cam Johnson just sitting there being at the right place, right time. So those are, are some of the news, uh, some of the names that I'm sure I, I would forget a lot more like John Kuhn, uh, the former fullback. Anytime he comes on, uh, he's always great. So uh, those are some of the, the ones that really stand out. There's a lot of really good ones. Now, you know what I heard the other day, which just popped into my head when you brought up John Kuhn, Shippensburg, by the way, Shippensburg product was, um, Chris Cooley was on the herd one day. Okay. Somebody definitely, you know, to possibly look in to have on the show. He was great. He really surprised me. I, I used to have Chris on a lot. Okay, um, cool. Anytime Washington's football team would play the Eagles and I was doing radio in Philadelphia, I would always have him on. There was actually one time I had him on and they were on vacation somewhere. And he goes, hold on, Zach. Like I'll be back in 30 seconds. I go, where's he going? This is a live radio interview. So I was just stalling. He, he comes back and he goes, my kids were like, saw a squirrel and like something was happening with them and the squirrel and they were trying to capture the squirrel. And that honestly is great radio. It's fun. I go, why are you talking to me? Go make sure that your kids are okay. You don't want them to get eaten alive by a squirrel. Cause you know, us being temple guys, we've seen some wild squirrels back in the day on, on Leah course walk. There's some serious, serious squirrels. I think there's a Twitter account for the temple squirrels. Uh, it's really unique. We're going to get into Temple in a little bit, but you mentioned connections. Talked about what you did with Bruce Harrians, you know, just building your outer circle 
And some people say, oh, you know, he's just doing that because no, it's genuine. You seriously genuinely are wishing him a happy birthday. But down the line, it's just relationship building. You and I do the same thing. How important that it is that in your business? It's massive. Uh, not only when you have the show, you know, two years ago, I started interviewing. We had his, uh, the president of the Milwaukee Bucks on, Peter Fagan. Had him on one time. I would keep in contact with him. When the pandemic started, we were wondering when basketball's coming back. He comes on the show because I kept in contact with him. Um, also, he heard me blasting uh, the NBA. And, you know, when they were going after the Bucks for maybe tampering uh, with Bogdanovich, and I was very vocal in my support of Giannis staying in Milwaukee the night where Giannis Antetokounmpo signs the Supermax. And we were doing like a little hashtag, uh, keep the Greek freak, sign the Supermax. And we're on a bunch of stations in Wisconsin, he did one interview the night where Giannis signed the, the Supermax. It was on our show right before game one of the NBA finals. He's giving us an interview talking about the health of Giannis Antetokounmpo, where there's always a, a time in this business, right? Where you create friends or you create contacts that you're closer with, and you're going to have to be in a, in, a, in a tough spot and you're going to have to ask them questions. But as long as you're fair, I think those people understand what they're getting into. Like with Matt Rule, I absolutely love Matt Rule. Uh, he's been so kind to me in my career. There was a time at Temple where he obviously wasn't making any money doing the WHIP, which is the student station coaches show. There was a big story about a recruit that, um, you know, got kicked off the team. And I had the story that the guy got kicked off the team and I had Matt Rule on. And I had to ask him about it. And yeah, probably in Matt's mind that there was so much success around the program. I think it was during the year where you guys uh, beat Penn State and I uh, had college game day. And all of a sudden, you know, that's not the most positive way to start off a conversation, but I had to ask it. And when I further talk with Matt, Matt even said to me to his credit, he goes, I understand. He goes, you got a job to do and you're fair. Now, not everyone loves fair questions, but that's just the reality of the situation. I think people can respect it at the end of the day. So it's things like that where, you know, I try to learn from Dan Patrick, where if you are conversational with people and actually treat athletes like they're not robots and they're human beings, they'll trust you more and be more receptive to giving you actual legitimate answers. Um, and that's what I think is so big because you could have the biggest name on it. Yeah, it's great to have a big name on, but if they don't say anything, you're just wasting your audience's time. No doubt about that. As an athlete, I, I can tell you, tell you that, you know, when it's, we're having a conversation and you know, when there's, you know, the journalism type question, I've had these talks many a times with our friend, John DiCarlo there from the outskirts sure. about, about, you know, his classes and hope John. Things. Yep. The man, great guy. And, and really he, I started cutting my teeth with John doing podcasts until I got into podcasting. It's pretty crazy. So, and, and let uh, me be clear about one thing. Cause I don't want it to come off as disingenuous. Like when I text you a few weeks ago, congratulations on your wedding. I actually care that you're getting married. It's no. not, Oh, I'm going to do this. So when Colin makes it big with the Carolina Panthers, I could go sandbag him with a few questions. No, again, that's why I want to bring up connections that the, the, I mean, that's what it's, it's connections, a bad term. There's probably a better term, but it's not hitting in my mind right now, of course, but it's just relationship building. It's a part of the process. It's friends. I said all the time and, and, and people that listen to the show know my favorite part of the football of football in general period. It, you know, I love playing. It's been great to me, but the social side of it, the people, the camaraderie, that's it for me, period. And the fact that I get to do my job this and then do another side job with this podcasting and then also travel with friends 
and then also join radio shows in the off season. I mean, Super Bowl, I had probably like 10 different interviews with different people that I stayed in touch with over the years. And I'm a small fish. I'm not, I'm not coming on CBS Sports Network to talk about the Super Bowl, but I was on a lot of different shows because connections that I kept over the years. and I loved it. So that's why I have the best job in the world. I'm doing my darnest to keep it because, you know, everything kind of coexists together. And in our world, that's the best part about it. You get to do so many different things around the game of sports. And it's, it's incredible. It's done a ton for you and I, obviously, and I'm forever grateful for it. So I want to talk about Temple. I want to talk about our owls. Uh, programs hopefully trend in the right in the right direction, but at one point it was on the top of a mountain, at least when it came to power six schools and, and up there too. We were ranked many a times up in the top 25 throughout my time there, and it was an unbelievable ride. I'm so thankful that I ended up going to Temple. They were my only scholarship after having about 30 at Florida two years before. So it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I did not want to go, but thank God I did. Uh, how did you end up at Temple? Why the Owls? It was actually uh, funny because you talk about how many people like wanted you at, at first. Um, I had a lot of reps in radio. I'm not saying that a lot of people wanted me, but Kadri Ismail, who used to play in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Ravens and went to Syracuse. I was friendly with him. And I told him that I was going to Syracuse to do like an interview at one of the admissions uh, departments here at one of their, their headquarters in, in New York City. And he goes, you should bring a demo tape. He goes, I used to give highlight tapes of, of me when I was in high school. You should bring a demo tape because my grades were not good enough to get into Syracuse. Let's be real. So I brought a demo tape and they wouldn't take the demo tape. And I go, like, what? They wouldn't take the demo. It just made no sense to me. You take a demo tape for a football player, but you won't take a demo tape for a broadcaster. So that always did annoy me. And then I was talking to my guidance counselor and I went to sleepaway camp as a kid that had a lot of Philly connections, a lot of people from uh, the main line or the Philadelphia area that went to the Poconos in the summer. And she said, would you want to go to a, a school in Philadelphia? I go, yeah. And she goes, how about Temple? She goes, you could get in there. Uh, we feel pretty good that you could get in there. And also they have a tremendous broadcasting program. I simply went on the tour of the university and they sent me a thank you note, like one of those generic thank you notes. But I didn't know it was generic at the time. I was some dumb high school kid. And I thought that was pretty neat. I like Philadelphia, a big sports city. And I thought also the university was pretty neat. How It was a diverse university and didn't look like every other university across the campus. So I got in. I got into like a few other schools. But once I went to Temple and also then sat down um, with Adam Clark and Ray Boyd, who were two student broadcasters and they were running the radio station at the time. They said, we don't care if you're a senior a junior, a sophomore, a freshman, the best people are going to get on the air. So I saw an opportunity where if I went to Syracuse, I would have been this button up broadcaster. There's a lot of great broadcasters from Syracuse. Don't get me wrong. We talked about a lot of them, but I think there's a lot of button up broadcasters that go to Syracuse and have to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait till their senior year to get on. And my freshman year, I was doing a pregame show at Madison square garden where Temple beat Syracuse in a basketball game. Khalif Wyatt was awesome. And one of the student broadcasters, and I'm a big dude, so I looked like I could be a senior at the time. One of the student broadcasters goes, oh, like, what are your plans after college? I go, after college. I go, I'm a freshman. And he looked at me, he goes, wait, you're a freshman on the air? Because that's unheard of at Syracuse. So uh, not to take shots at Syracuse, but that's pretty much how I ended up at Temple because they wouldn't take my demo tape. And even if they took my demo tape and thought I was the greatest thing in the world, I could have never got into those school, that school because my grades were not as great. It's great. Temple, there's a lot of stories about like the misfits that end up there. Obviously, 
for people that know my story, I had a bunch of injuries and it was Florida pretty much showed me the door and said, your career's over. You shouldn't play football anymore. Florida Temple brought me in. There's stories like yourself. There's stories like Kevin Nagandi, who went to Syracuse first, I believe. And then he transferred back to Temple because it wasn't the right fit for him. So into land of the misfit toys. I mean, if we're going to transition now to some Matt rule and some Panthers and some of the temple days, I mean, coach rule was, you know, he barely got the job at temple. He had to beg for it. Yeah. He had to beg for the job. He didn't get it the first time they went with the Dazio. Yep. And he had to beg for it and beg for it. And he left. And then he was the assistant O-line coach for the giants for a year under coach Coughlin learned a ton from him, from what I understand. And that staff there. And, um, yeah, whatever, move forward, and, and now here we are. He's one of the hottest names in football. So our time at, uh, at Temple, you know, with our players, there's got to be some favorite players that you enjoy watching, enjoy following. They're probably some of them a bit on your radio show. And then uh, maybe some fond memories from, from those days is watching Niles football. Sure, it was so neat because I was there. The first year I was there, they had a disappointing year with Steve Adazio. Then Steve Adazio left, and not to crap talk Steve Adazio, but I don't think – people in the program, maybe like the exec, the, um, the athletic directors and also like the presidents, they were annoyed because now they had to go find a new football coach. But I don't think many players were that annoyed that Steve Adazio left. I, I just don't believe that it was ever really a good fit. And every name I kept on here when I would talk to people, Matt Rule, Matt Rule, Matt Rule, Matt Rule. Everyone was thinking that Matt Rule was, you know, they wanted him to get the job. We just didn't know if, if I think it was Bill Bradshaw at the time was going to hire him. And I'll never forget Matt comes in and the first year that actually may be, it may be my favorite year of temple football. And they only had two wins. It was so frustrating. It, they were in so many games, UCF, JJ Warden, uh, Blake Bortles. They were a great team that year that, that catch exactly in the left end zone. We're calling games up against uh, Rutgers where they ran, I didn't love the play call. It was uh, out of the pistol and they got stuffed. And then it was Leonte Carew uh, scoring a touchdown. There were so many games that they were in. And towards the end of the season, I want to say that they beat Memphis, Memphis. Um, Thanksgiving. And that was the second win of the season. Like there was, I think they lost to Idaho that year. Like there were some really bad losses, but you could see the team was taking a step in the right direction. And it just sense there was a sense that there was a different feel in the program. The next year they go 500. Kenny Harper was a stud. Uh, they don't get selected to a bowl game. Then the year after that, they're in the American athletic conference championship game up against Tom Herman. And then, as you know, the year after that it's college game day, it's Penn state first time beating them in 74 years. It was so cool seeing something built that it was temple uh, the program is never going to be where it is. People would laugh when they would talk about building an on-campus stadium, but to see just the energy that Matt brought and just the look like of the team, how it was different and how there was pride around the university to say, okay, I go to Temple, which is usually a basketball school and I want to go to a football game. It, it was pretty neat. And look how many guys now are in the league yourself, Dion, Hassan, Robbie, Tyler, I don't want to, you know, uh, Tavon Young, you could go on and on and on. Matt Ionitis, there's so PJ many Walker. guys. P.J. Walker, yep, of course. Um, you know, Keith Kirkwood, there's Keith so Kirkwood. many guys yep. that have got to the league and they were at Temple and I'd be watching these guys and I'm like, this is a really damn good football team and these guys can play on Sundays and it was so neat to see Hassan go in the first round, Dion go in the second round. So uh, it's just been something that it's crazy how that three to four year period 
with Matt now being the head coach of the Panthers, how many guys from that staff now you're getting to play with in the NFL. It's wild to see what that program turned into. Yeah, it is. And it's funny too, actually that year, 2016, we led all of college football in being, you know, the misfits. We were the most, we had the most players go on signed undrafted. That goes to show you just, you know, Keith Kirkwood, myself, Sharif Finch, Julian Taylor, I believe was a year after he made Kyle late, Friend. late round pick. Kyle Friend was a year before us. Okay. Um, but there was a lot of us. There's, you know, of course, I'm getting a couple. Then a year later, you had Chris Myrick. I mean, Chris. Yeah, right. I mean, Chris oh, when he got the Miami. scholarship, I know yeah. he's your guy. But when yeah. he got the scholarship, that was so that was so neat how everyone was surprised. That was such a cool uh, kind of feel. But that's Temple. It's not the the five star recruits necessarily, the four star recruits. It's it's guys that you know get some salt that go that go into their wounds. And do you just sit there and lie on the ground, or do you pick yourself back up? And go tell people, okay, you don't think I could do this? Well, F you, I'm going to be able to do it. That's what Temple University is all about, really. Yeah, 100% agree. And it's funny. So, uh, and we'll move on to the Panthers here and we'll wrap things up. So, I moved into my dorm and we were just, you know, talking to the new, my roommates, talking about the team last year. And I kind of knew some of the guys from high school and that being in the Philadelphia area. So, it was a smooth transition in that regard. I knew a lot of, a lot of guys on the team or at least a handful, which is a lot. When you transfer in, you used to know everybody. So, uh yeah, they're like, yeah, we won two games last year. I'm like, what? I literally, I'm like, wow. I guess I didn't prepare that hard. But their temple was my only offer, so I didn't even do that much homework. I'm like, here, I'm guess I'm going. Here we go. We'll figure out how it goes. You know, coach rules like we'll give you all the time you need to heal, take the time you need, and then come back when you're ready to roar. Okay, so that's why I ended up picking it. And they're like, yeah, we won two games last year. I was like, and I just got through training camp. I'm like, this team right here won two games. I couldn't believe the talent there. And then we end up winning six, like you said, six and six. BDCU, who was ranked that year, that was an awesome yeah. game in the rain at home. And, yeah, then the 2015 year, we lost to Greg Ward, Eagles receiver now. And uh, Houston, that was the Penn State-Notre Dame year as well. And then, the, obviously, the next year, we went on a championship run. And, you know, something that people don't talk about a lot is we lost Matikavich, we lost Matt Ioannidis, we lost Tavon Young, we lost Kyle Friend, and then we lost Robbie Anderson. And then we that's a, that's a serious group. And there's probably, I don't know, three or four more that I'm forgetting that we lost starters um, and we end up going to win in the conference championship championship the next year. And not only that, cause you're right, that it was that 2015 season with the whole Penn state and, and, yeah. and Notre Dame. And I remember the, the Boca bowl and in, in that monsoon with the whole onside kick, which that should have been our football. Uh, but that next year it was army. I think it was the first game of the season. There's so much energy Everyone's like, oh, here comes Temple football. It's coming. This is going to be the team. It's going to represent the city well. Triple option, boom, destroyed. And I go, wow. that like uh, It felt like a lot of momentum shifted away from that program. But to your guys' credit, not only did you find a way to get back to the conference championship game, that once you guys got to the conference championship game, you definitely knew that they were going to win it, but it was the way you guys won it. You got yes, uh, tri up against a triple option, Kenny Amatololo's Navy's team. And right away, I, I think Philip hit, it was Keith Kirkwood, maybe uh, down. Or I, I forget who the receiver was. I think it was Keith Kirkwood. It was for no. a bomb. Who, who was it? So the first play of, I think, the bowl game, he hit Kirkwood for a deep touch. Actually, he hit Kirkwood for a post in that game. He mm -hmm. threw an, a, like a crossing route to Ventel for a touchdown. That's Ventel. another guy. Mm -hmm. He's another guy in the NFL who's on the Panthers. Um yeah, Ventel. 
So that was crazy. The flyover, like at Navy. So we beat Army. We lost Army. I had a high, I got, I really rolled up at Sharga on like the last play of the first half, like kind of just a, a, the play to let the clock run out. We ran a draw and Sharga like blew up my ankle. I blocked the guy in the I was out. So I missed my only game in college, like that I was like consistently playing at least. Sure. Stony Brook. Then we went to Penn State, lost, beat Charlotte in a hurricane, beat SMU, lost to Memphis. And that's when it all started. We beat UCF with no time left. And then we went on a run. We won the rest of the games that year and, you know, got into the, got into the championship game and won it at Navy, which was incredible. We had yeah, that UCF good... game was something, by the way. Yeah, my God, yes. And we ran the ball to come back into the game, which was my favorite part about it. I've never been any part of anything like that. I thought I wasn't going to play at all in the second half. And rules like, we're going to do what we do best. We're going to run the ball. And we just fed Jihad. We just fed Rockwell. And we just blocked our asses off for the, for the rest Dude, of the Jihad, game. Dude, Jihad, man, that actually could be one of my favorite players that I don't think gets enough credit that run that he had up against Penn state where he juked their entire sideline. It, it's still to this day. It's, it's one of my favorite plays in the history of the program. Yep. There's a lot of big ones. So I'm going to put my uh, Zach Gilb hat on now and give you the tough questions about the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to switch okay. it up here. So uh, you asked me what my thoughts on Sam Darnold, what are your thoughts are on Sam Darnold? So Sam, he's got to prove it this year because right now, I think it's a fair debate. Was it the Jets or was it Sam? Personally, living in New York, I think it was more of the Jets than it was Sam. The offensive line was horrendous. Um, also, Adam Gase, I don't want to put you in a tough spot, but he was an incompetent coach. And Sam Darnold, did he make mistakes? Yes, he made mistakes, no doubt about it. But I was a big believer in him. He was my favorite quarterback in that draft class where all those uh, picks were going, the five first-round draft picks. I'm very intrigued because I, your offense, I got to see what the defense is. I think the defense showed some improvement last year as the season did get on. It was a very young defense, and Phil's um, defensive scheme is very complex to learn. So I think there'll be a big jump there in year number two. But that offense, what you guys were able to do last year without Christian McCaffrey and just how many games you were in, I've seen this script before at Temple, at Baylor, where the first year, I, I know you don't think of it this way, but I do. It was like a wash year, and that team was going to be competitive, and there was going to be a lot of ugly losses. So I love DJ Moore. I love Robbie. I love Christian McCaffrey. Um, I just got to see if Sam can be the guy. So that's what I think of Sam. Am I going to say he's going to be great? No. Am I going to say he's going to be horrible? No. I want to see if he can be the guy this year, and time will tell. Okay. Thank you for your input on that. And then what, what's, what are the Panthers going to do this year? You know, you're a guy who's tapped into the NFL. What's your thoughts on the Panthers and Coach Rule's second year? We had them the other day. We were talking about dark horse playoff teams. So I don't know. Maybe you want to put this in – in the locker room, you know, he called it a dark horse playoff team. No, we should be a playoff team. You, you could be doing something like that. And then I could be in a hype up video trashing the Carolina Panthers when I was actually saying something positive. Um, the Buccaneers are going to win that division. Um, I know that you still have to play the games and you may not want to hear that, but Tampa Bay is going to win the division. I think the Saints are going to be good this year with Jameis Winston. I view you guys right now as the third best team in that division, but a team that is going to be seriously competing uh, for one of those wild card spots. I said this about Matt and we're on in, in Charlotte and WFNZ. And I do a lot of uh, interviews on that station. They have me on a bunch. I laid out a three-year plan for Matt rule. And that's because that's what I've seen the first year to watch second year. We're going to see some improvement. And then year number three, that's where the expectations are really going to pick up. But you look at some of the names you guys have uh, Burns is tremendous. I like Jeremy chin a, a lot. You bring in a son, which is, is also cool. Uh, this could be a team that that surprises some people, but I want to see you guys finish in the fourth quarter because that 
That was a problem last year in the fourth quarter. In a lot of games, got to finish them now and, and not rely on 65-yard field goals to try to win games. All right, there you got There you have it. No comments out of me. Uh, I'm doing the. Why, why don't see you want this I'm doing podcast the to go viral? Hold on, you want this podcast to go viral right now? Just guarantee that you guys are going to win the Super Bowl right now. It will be across <laughs> every show in America tomorrow. Colin Thompson of the Carolina Panthers guarantees a Super Bowl victory. Just do it. Why not? You know what? Because I was I was brought up in the Temple journalism and of media and journalism school. <laughs> Um, I have unbelievable media people with the Panthers. I've learned from a lot of great media people over the years and I'm doing the hosting Zach, you know, that's, that's the difference. You're actually on the, you're the player right now. So I got to ask you the questions. I don't need to give my opinion. Uh, I will when the season's over, everyone knows what I think of our team. And I really do truly think very highly of Sam Darnold. I've been very impressed with him and OTAs. Great guy. Really excited to get to know him more and go on a journey with him and the rest of our team this year. Uh, really excited to see 22 healthy. That always stirs the drink pretty good. So, Zach Gelb, can't thank you enough for coming on, man. We really appreciate your time. Good luck with the show tonight. And uh, really appreciate your support of me over the years. I always enjoy watching you and supporting you. So, thanks, man. Back at you, Colin. Respect mutual. Thanks so much. We really appreciate all our sponsors. Fuel Hunt, the original Fudge Kitchen, Shots and Giggles, Kate May Brewing Company, and Wealth Advisory Services. We'd like to welcome Actions Over Words to our family here at Not For Long Media. It all started with a $5 bill and a vision to change the world at age 17 when my friend Alec Levin of Cape May, New Jersey, started Actions Over Words when he was just a young high school kid. Uh, now he's 23 years old, and he donates $5 back to the charity of Actions Over Words Choice. They change their charities every few months, and they're a family there. Everyone who supports Action Over Words movement is a part of the family forever. We are more than an apparel company. We are a movement, and we strive to use actions instead of our words to make the world a better place to live $5 at a time. So to this date, Actions Over Words movement has helped over $14,000 donated to charities. So kudos to you guys. Really excited to, got, to have you a part of our team. That's actionsoverwordsapparel.com. And then check them out on Instagram at Actions Over Words Apparel. Really cool stuff. And it's a local product. They're raising money for a bunch of really cool foundations. Check out their website. You can learn more. Shout out to you guys at Actions Over Words.